1: Welcome to
0: Focus Fire Chat. Explore together welcome to Focus fire chat recorded live on December 20th 2019 over on twitch.tv Focus fire chat as we continue our discussion over the lore book unveiling this particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive before we go any further however let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show as always this is your host blue crew 86
2: and this is the avatar of the holidays green eyed music lover
1: and this is once again the notorious nobleman's rose <laughs>
0: Nice. i couldn't think of anything no, else no, on the man, spot. I, that's so the reason there's a reason i just feel <laughs> like this is me like, <laughs> 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 oh man well uh, i guess you know enough with enough with chatter I, 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 well, let's just jump back into it you know for us let's, for us this it. is this is like 10 minutes after we just got done with the intro for everyone else it's like four days but um you know let's just get right to it i uh, where do we want to pick up from the not so intro intro session?
2: <laughs> so we did a lot in the intro section intro session wow um of discussing the concepts around it and the the fact that it's very ph- philosophy heavy mm-hmm. within this book, mm-hmm. but we didn't really dive into the cards themselves. Do you want to spend a little bit more time kind of debating and discussing the cards that's in this fine. session? Yeah. Is more, I, think
0: that, I think that's a yeah. fair, I think the advanced session to me is where that kind of fits more because we kind of, yeah, you know, the
2: nitty gritty. Mm-hmm.
0: So you want to, what's so you want to talk about? Please to meet you.
2: Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Nice. Pleased to meet you. One of your philosophers said, it's, it is not to be, it is not to be thought that the life of darkness is sunk in misery and lost in sorrow. There is no sorrow, for sorrow is a thing that is swallowed up in death, and death and dying are the very life of the darkness. He was a shoemaker. He was right, and it matters more than anything. According to him, the visible world is a manifestation of eternal light and eternal darkness, and it is in eternal opposition that eternity has revealed itself. The fall was necessary for creation to escape its first imperfect stasis and seek a truer form. Heresy? Heresy? Well, then I am a heresiarch. The philosopher died of a bowel disease. Those who do not exist cannot suffer and are of no account to any viable ethics. If the true path to goodness is, is the elimination of suffering, then only those who must exist can be allowed to exist. It is the nature of life to favor existence over non-existence and to prefer the fertile soil to the poisoned wind, because those who open their mouths to that wind pass from the world and leave no descendant, whether of flesh or of thought. But imagine the abomination of a world where nothing can end and no choice can be preferred to any other. Imagine the things that would suffer and never die. Imagine the lies that would flourish without context or corrective. Imagine a world without me. So, Pleased to Meet You is like any good evil character in a movie. It's his opening introduction of who he is when you first see him kind of thing. At least that's my narrative interpretation of it in some respects. It's the, I am here and I am important. And let me tell you why I'm important. Because I am here (laughs) and you need me. Now let me tell you my whole plan, because that's gonna come next. Thoughts? Oh, I have thoughts.
1: Um, I, I'm gonna kind of go off of one of the big things that stuck out to me throughout this whole book: the idea that it is an argument essay, something presented to our guardian to convince them of this idea. And I think in this opening chapter, he is first or. Er, it the darkness is relating its ideas its philosophies to a very human physical philosopher um he is humanizing his point of view and then saying that even the philosopher is subject to this disease to the laws that he is um talking about and -hmm. then he brings that back to himself he says, this is all about me.
2: I mean, he's he's I don't know if it's all about him, but he's definitely in some respects, at least in his perspective, is a requirement for the the life or for the continuance of existence. Because to and this is a slightly Buddhist thought, to be honest, to understand happiness, you have to know suffering So you have to understand that there is suffering to gain happiness and that the too much happiness can lead to also more suffering. And it's just that balancing act that you see there. Blue, jump off of that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're talking about the Buddhism. That reminds me of the, um, the rice painting of the Buddha, Confucius and Taoist tasting vinegar. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a really cool, the vendor, I think it's called vinegar tasters. If I remember right, it's a,
2: I think so. Uh,
0: it's really interesting. Um, but no, so, so actually I, I wanted to take two, well, a couple minutes and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent for the quote that was used there. Um, so the quote that green mentioned, uh, at the very beginning there, with uh, it is not to be thought that the life of darkness is sunk in misery and lost in sorrow. There is no sorrow, for sorrow is a thing that is swallowed up in death, and death and dying are the very life of the darkness. Uh, this actually is a quote taken from a philosopher, uh, well, philosopher, a Lutheran theologist, and a Christian mystic <clears throat> who went by the name of uh, Jacob Buma. Um, and this quote is actually taken from his work. Uh, that is titled six theosophic points and is related ex- uh, specifically to his sixth point which discusses how the life of darkness is repugnant to that of the life of light uh so he was very um dichotomy i i it was very very balanced which kind of ties into the whole thing um, and this stems from the the fact that darkness is a being a given being a giver of what's referred to as fierce and hostile essence whereas the light um, gives the essence of love uh, and so the quote that this is actually taken part of uh is a, so i'm gonna read i'm gonna read the full passage that this is from because there's a lot of context that, strangely gets missed with when you take a single line out of an entire passage. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Buma says the life of darkness is repugnant to all life of light for the darkness gives fierce and hostile essence and the life of light gives love essence in the darkness. There is in the essence only a perpetual stinging and breaking each form being enemy to the other, a contrarious essence each form is a liar to itself, and one says to the other that it is evil and adverse to it, that it is a cause of its restlessness and fierceness. Each thinks in itself, if only the other form were not, thou wouldst have rest, and yet each of them is evil and false. Hence it is that all that is born of the dark property of wrath is lying, and is always lying against the other forms, saying they are evil, and yet it is yet it is itself a cause thereof. It makes them evil by its poisonous infection. Thus are they all, and lying is their truth. When they speak lies, they speak from their own forms and properties. And so also are their creatures. For each form desires to murder the other, and yet there is no killing. But the greater the strife is, the greater becomes their murderous life. And therefore it is called an eternal death and enmity, where nothing but contrariety arises. For there is nothing that would abolish the strife, nothing that could hold in check a single form. The more it were resisted, the greater would be the fierceness, like a fire that is stirred, whereby it burns but the more. Thus the fierce wrathful kingdom can be extinguished by nothing save only by God's light, by which it becomes wholly gentle, lovely, and full of joy." And neither can that be, for if the dark kingdom were to be kindled with the light, the light would have no root to its nature and property. No fire could be generated. Neither were there any light nor any power, but all were a nothing. Uh, and That's the end of that passage. And so Bohm, uh, Buma goes on to explain, in keeping with the, the Lutheran theology and the Christian mystical philosophies that he was a very staunch follower of, that, quote, "...for every life is rooted in poison." the light alone resists the poison yet is a cause that the poison lives and faints not end quote. So what this all does is this is connected back to that concept that is expressed by Ulan Tan and the symmetry uh, within the universe of destiny. We, we kind of have this, like this idea that we can't have light without the darkness, which we talked about in the intro session. Um, and the symmetry holds that in destroying the darkness, we would also destroy or sacrifice the light. And there's also the potential, issue that we would potentially destroy everything else along with it um, mm-hmm. and so the other the other thing that like when I was reading the six Theothophic points uh, to try to get a feel for you know where this kind of fits um, the other thing that this passage that I just quoted really kind of to me screams is this is the worm gods and hive uh, there's multiple points that align with the hive uh, the hives transformation from the krill. We have the uh, the living in the darkness, the property of wrath, uh, the lies of the honest worm. Yule saying it is evil, saying the others are evil, yet it is the cause of its evil. Um, for each form desires to murder the other, and yet there is no killing. That doesn't sound like the hive at all. Um, and and for greater the strife, the greater becomes their murderous life. So the more they kill, but they don't kill, the the more powerful they become. It's the sword logic, basically, at this point. Um, and so, and you see that with the more it was resisted, the greater would be the fierceness. You know, the the rat, and and this whole thing just stems from that that concept, which makes it interesting when he goes on or they go on to say that he was right. And it matters more than anything about the quote that they mention here, because if he's, if they are saying that Buma was right and they're doubling down on that fact, then you have to take into, you have to take into account the contextual presence of the other aspects of Buma's work, within the six theosophic points and that ties into the idea that there is a there is a dichotomical balance between the darkness and light and this and, and Buma goes on to, to describe this this uh, darkness as the equivalent of hell and the the home home realm of you know Satan and the demons and all that whereas the the life of light is is uh, paradise the the you know angels the archangels and all that uh, it ties back into Christian myths mysticism uh lutheran theology a lot it was very influential to his work um but the it the, the context that is missed by that single quote is that he's saying that there is no sorrow for sorrow is a thing that is swallowed up in death um and you know blah 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 basically this is a necessity that's not actually what the message is from buma's work um he and there i mean there's a component that is kind of true there but it's not something to be embraced it's something that is just there and it needs to be acknowledged but i i I think that there's there's a lot that is deliberately misleading with this particular intro quote um and that's the the beginning of the rabbit hole (laughs) That I went down this week was because I was like Green can attest to that. I was like, Oh my gosh, there are so many connections. Like there are so many connections here. Um, But yeah, it's
2: it's like this is opening up a whole new venture for For, us. For the
0: clarification and the lore, this was Seth's work, right? Did Seth do unveiling? I want to say he did.
2: I want to say yes, but I don't know for sure. I cannot confirm that.
0: But. Because I remember him saying something. Because unveiling was the one that in game was released uh, by DripFeed, right? He
2: was the right, and he was the most excited because it did not get spoiled. Right. Okay, so I, say, I would I say, say that say based can, off of those tweets, this is probably his book.
0: It, it also has his. It has a flavor of Seth's writing, like the uh, the uh, nuanced meanings hidden between each other. I, I that's mm-hmm. that's very very similar to his other stuff that he has done for Destiny so that's why I was just curious yeah but yeah no that's
2: that's that's my
0: tangent for that one
2: all right
1: nobleman do you got any do you do you want to dive into that anymore or I think just closing on that um there's just I think with everything that blue is said that uh, you begin to really see how the darkness is using um, these philosophies and to present them to us. He's taken that little bit that really fits his narrative um, in his argument.
2: Okay. Nice. Well, then do you want to take over and read The Gardener and Winnower? Sure. Yes, I want to hear your reading style.
1: Once upon a time, a gardener and a winnower lived "...together in a garden. It was once before a time, because time had not yet begun. We did not live. We existed as principles of ontological dynamics that emerged from mathematical structures as bodiless and inevitable as the primes. It was the field of possibility that prefigured existence. They existed because they had to exist. They had no antidescent, no constituent's, and there is no instrument of causality by which they could be portioned into components and assigned to some schematic of their origin. If you, un- if you followed the umbilical of history in search of some ultimate aviistic embryo that became them, you would end your journey marooned here in this garden. In the morning, the gardener pushed seeds down into the wet loam of the garden to see what they would become. In the evening, the winnower reaped the day's crop and separated what would flourish from what had failed. The day was longer than all of time, and the night was swifter than a glint of light on a falling sugar crystal. Insects buzzed between the flowers, and worms slithered between the roots, feeding on what was and what might be the first gradient in existence, the first dynamo of life. Rain fell from no sky. Voices spoke without mouth or meaning. A tree of silver wings bloomed, yielded fruit, shed feathers, bloomed again. In the day, between the morning and the evening, the gardener and the winnower played a game of possibilities.
2: So, before the Big Bang, the day was longer than all of time and the night was swifter than a glint of light. That line itself is probably one of my favorites in this card in general, just because it, it paints a very interesting picture that so much. And if you're, and it depends if you're taking the poetic stance of light being the amount of change happening and darkness being the amount of uh, entropy or the amount of, of reversal or culling or winnowing at that point. So much change was happening here that, they needed they needed to establish the rules before they actually played the game to make things more balanced. And they played a game of probabilities. Blue, I know you're going to have thoughts on this one, too. Yeah, I, I, I already mean, saw some of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: <clears throat> so this one actually, like, this was a really good conversation that I saw over on the Destiny Lore subreddit. Uh, and it's it's talking about like the importance of the terminology of Gardner and Winnower and like some of the ramifications that they can posit within you know the game as we have like as we've experienced it. Um, mm-hmm. And this is from a user who I, I love the name. It's both so good and so funny at the same time. Uh, Sun Tzu 420. Excellent name, I love it. Uh, he, they, <laughs> I just, I I'm like. I saw it. I'm like, oh god, this is amazing. Um, they say that uh, in the gardener stands the gardener and the winnower. The gardener plants the garden. He feeds the seeds, plants them, waters them. The widower watches the garden as it grows. He sees both that which is desirable and undesirable. The winnower then begins to take the most undesirable pieces from the garden, leaving only the most desired plants. If we equate the light to the gardener and the darkness to the winnower, who is really evil in this scenario? The light comes to a species, bestows great power and knowledge. The light watches as the species grows. Now the darkness arrives, and with it, death. The death that the darkness brings isn't to destroy the species, but to cull the undesirable parts and leave only the best. In my opinion, this is why the darkness has come back. We are the flowers in the garden, and the gardener watched us flourish for many reasons or many seasons. Now the winner has arrived to prune the garden so that only the most desirable plants are left. And I may be completely off base here, but this was kind of the first thing that came to me after reading this lore entry. And something to consider is that to winnow also means to use wind or breath to separate shaft from the grain. Wind is shapeless, and maybe to be shapeless is the final form. Um, Yes.
2: But as we learned in the first card, the wind is poisoned, or at least that reference, the wind is poisoned. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean yeah so and and so it
2: It depends if they're connecting the references right
0: yeah and and so the the reason that this kind of stood out to me was like you know this would explain the collapse where it's noticed that the darkness and we kind of mentioned i mentioned this in the intro session the darkness had the ability to completely eradicate humanity but for some reason it didn't um the darkness is thanos yeah well thanatos but yes uh Right. right yeah well and i mean and yes and no because he's more it's more intellectual anyways i'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole because the whole anyway that the paints the collapse more as a calling than an extermination process which is which does follow more in line with what a what what the winnower is meant to do um, and then sun tzu actually goes on to to then present <clears throat> the idea that quote in order for a gardener to be a gardener it has to have a garden first the gardener finds earth, finds that it is suitable, and begins the task of planting the garden. Before you can plant anything in the garden, it has to be prepared first. As part of this preparation, humanity was given vast knowledge and technology. This was the gardener preparing the garden. We prospered under this age, but the winnerer still needs to help the gardener get the garden ready by removing anything that isn't desirable in the garden, which was the collapse. I believe that when the garden mm-hmm. is prepared, this is when the game of possibilities begins. Now that the garden is ready, the gardener begins to seed the garden, create and send out ghosts, in hopes that the new flowers, the risen or the guardians, would be grow or found. Now that the garden has flourished, the winnower, Ugh. i.e. the darkness, has come to reap the harvest and separate what has, what has flourished from what has failed. Since we are what has flourished, the darkness is coming to separate us from what has failed. This is why it's telling us that it is our salvation. Without the winnower in the garden, we would be left to rot like everything else." End quote.
2: That I like quite a I, bit because so it I, pushes our yeah. timeline so much further forward than the Big Bang.
0: Yeah, I, I like the theory. I have a few qualms about the connections because, again, the timeline that is presented in unveiling seems to point that some of this happened before creation. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like it fits. Or like if it, it was
2: f- just before <clears throat> Our creation,
0: yeah, like it just—it's—it's it's one of those things where it's like I mm. like the theory. I really like this theory. I just I haven't quite married it up perfectly with what my understanding of what I read was as far as like timing. So it's—it's it's still kind of I'm still kind of jostling it with that that component. But I really like that theory. I, I really do think that uh, this uh, Sunzu 420 from. Destiny again. This is the Destiny lore subreddit. I think they're onto something. Like I, I really like it. I just need to figure out how to rectify it with my understanding.
2: Right. Nice. Well, do we have any more thoughts on this one before we move to the actual flower game itself, which we've kind of discussed yeah. once <clears throat> before?
1: We discussed this. Yeah. I think we're ready to play a game.
2: Let's play a game, Guardians. The Flower Game These are the rules of a game. Let it be played upon an infinite two-dimensional grid of flowers. Rule 1 A living flower with less than two living neighbors is cut off. It dies. Rule 2 A living flower with two or three living neighbor neighbors is connected. It lives. Rule 3 A living flower with more than three living neighbors is starved and overcrowded. It dies. Rule 4. A dead flower with exactly three living neighbors is reborn. It springs back to life. The only play permitted in the game is the arrangement of the initial flowers. This game fascinates kings. This game occupies the very emperors of thought. Though it has only four rules and the board is flat, featureless grid, in it you will find changeless blocks, stoic as iron and beacons and whirling pulsars, as well as gliders that soar out to infinity and patterns that lay eggs and spawn other patterns, and living cells that replicate themselves wholly. In it, you may construct a universal computer with the power to simulate, very slowly, any other computer imaginable, and thus simulate whole realities, including nested copies of the flower game itself. And the game is undecidable. No one can predict exactly how the game will play out, except by playing it. And yet, this game is nothing compared to the game played by the gardener and the winnower. It resembles that game as a seed does a flower. No as a seed resembles the star that fed the flower and all the life that made it. In their game, the gardener and the winnower discovered shapes of possibility. They foresaw bodies and civilizations, minds and cognitions, kawya and suffering. They learned the rules that governed which patterns would flourish in the game and which would dwindle. They learned those rules because they were those rules. And in time, the gardener became vexed. I like how this card talks about the vex in general. Like, I know we get that line at the end that the gardener became vexed, but there, there's a direct call out to the idea of the vex in this card. In so much as it says, in it you may construct a universal computer with the power to simulate very slowly any other computer imaginable and thus simulate whole realities, including nested copies of the flower game itself, a.k.a. the Vex. Sorry.
0: All I can, uh, all I can think of... <clears throat> all I could think of is the, the computer from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs>
2: Mhm. What's and the answer? I just What's want to the see the pot of flowers. 42.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was the deep thought? Was that the one? Mhm. Oh my god. Yeah, the ultimate the Nobleman, ultimate question I,
2: of life. Yes. Um, Blue and I have talked about this one quite a bit and discussed the idea of the flower game or actually what what was it called originally? Blue uh, Conway's game of life. Conway's game <clears throat> it of is, Life.
0: Excuse me. <clears throat> it is also called out in Tyrannicide One uh, by Marasov. And then I wanna say someone mentioned I can't remember who mentioned it, but there is a so there's like a, a glide it's called a glider. Um there's an a glider on Eris Morn's uh, stand. There's there's an actual call out to that too. So
2: Oh
1: really? Cool. Huh. I think um, one of the big standouts to me, um, is how the darkness is starting to go into, um, or maybe he does quite a bit in the previous chapter, but there is a lot of metaphor, um, and double meaning in this, um, chapter, and a lot of things that start to call into question the reliability of this. Of course, In-game, Eris is constantly telling you not to trust um, anything that he says. But um, I think one of the things that um, is the example here is the flower game itself. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a friend who, at 14 years old, he uh, programmed a copy of this game. So with that information, it tells me this is something very simple, something we humans can understand. And yet the darkness is like, but this is nothing compared to what the gardener and I play. You know, this is just a simple example so that you can grasp the gravity of all of this. These are fundamental rules of the universe at stake here.
2: They. It's fundamental rules of the universe because they. And the thing that I. Um, They are the rules. The writer calls out that they are the rules themselves, that they are the, not necessarily the forces, but the, they're, they're the actions. They're the, The adjectives, I guess, rather, or the verbs, or my guard, my English, I was not an English person in, in high schools or college for that matter, but they're the ones who are moving. They are the movers. I guess that is the easiest way for me to say it of everything. So I, with the gardener and the winnower being the movers of everything, the defining, you can't, can you define them because they are the movers? can you define the actions we're we're creating a um we're humanizing the movements of this but i i ramble a little bit shall we move forward
0: yes lou sorry i'm (laughs) I'm (laughs) i'm poking chat right now sorry
2: I see that. I was just like, I'm just okay. Ooh. Black flag. Why? <laughs> <sighs>
0: I'm a bad person.
2: <laughs> the final shape. And I'm going to tell the podcast listeners why you just broke it. So he typed in chat: uh, "An egg okay, can well, hold an okay. elephant." There's, there's Thank you very reference much.
0: Reference above. Okay, so. So Wicked wicked is saying the most survival patterns are often built on the simplest structure. And then Black Flag responds with, triangles support the most weight by design. Wicked agrees with that. And then they're like, hi, blah, blah, blah. And then I, that's what I'm like, uh, an egg can hold an elephant. Thank you very much.
2: It's true. <laughs> like, physics-wise, it can. But it, I... As far as structures within our own world, the the idea of building with triangles is most commonly used in architecture. You cannot create a perfect circle in the reality of what we live in right now. Right, yeah, like yeah. Like, there are some spheres that get really stinking close, but you cannot create a perfect circle right now.
1: The best example I've seen of a perfect surf circle was on a SpongeBob episode, if any of y'all remember that one, but
2: spongebob it's been a while it has really been a while with that one
1: Mm -hmm.
2: all right so if we move on past the flower game to the final shape who wants to read this one
0: i can i can try at least um the final shape it always ends the same the gardener complained this one stupid pattern aren't they beautiful I asked, as the flowers opened and closed in patterns beyond the scope of entire universes to encode, all devouring and perhaps everlasting. Not even we could know whether a pattern in the flowers would cycle forever or someday halt. They're as dull as carbon monoxide poisoning, the gardener groused, although carbon monoxide did not yet exist, and neither did anything that could be poisoned. The gardener kneeled to flick a patch of sod with their trowel. It struck an open flower, causing it to shut. Although I was the closer of flowers and that was my sole purpose, I felt no fear or jealousy. We had our assigned dominions and always would. They're majestic, I said. They have no purpose except to subsume all other purposes. There is nothing at the center of them except the will to go on existing, to alter the game to suit their existence. They spare not one sliver of their totality for any other work. They are the end. The pattern corrected the errant flower effortlessly. The great flow went on unchanged. The gardener got up and brushed their knees. Every game we play, this one pattern consumes all the others, wipes out every interesting development, a stupid, boring exploit that cuts off entire possibility spaces from ever arising. There's so much that we'll never get to see because of this pest they chewed at their cracked lip, which existed only because this is an allegory. I'm going to do something about it. They said, we need a new rule.
2: Do you think that the gardener basically breaks the rule by creating the new rule? I know we're going to kind of get into that with the first knife as well, but. Um,
0: I, think, I think this shows the, the idea of chaos versus order, really. Um, one thing that I did mm-hmm. see a couple people kind of call out was the fact that the gardener apparently does have the capacity to kill, uh, with the, the whole thing with the flower, um, which was interesting, like, cause it's called out rather, rather overtly that the, the winnower was supposed to be the closer of flowers. The gardener was not the closer of flowers, but the gardener is able to close flowers, like it, it's it seems like that was a that, that's just a, it was just an odd little thing um and a lot of people kind of focused on that uh for various <clears throat> for various reasons um but i I did find that kind of interesting uh the other thing is is like you know again going back to the game of life and everything like that um I don't know like the the this is definitely the bias of the win the the winnower, but like the gardener just seems petulant like it just they just seem they get bored easily uh, right. and, and that's where and- again I don't know if that's bias or if that's you know because the winnower is like you know structured order you know this is what this is and then the gardener is more of like the creative you know it's the difference between a left mind and a right mind you know it's like the creative like ah like all over the place and then you have the uh more organized like no this needs to fall within this this thing yeah black flag talk says that right now um
2: so so the question i have with this is if you think about the rules itself at the only thing, the only move's permissible is the placement of the flowers, right? That is the that's the
0: initial placement of the flowers, the yeah. basic,
2: correct. Uh, that's the only move that you can make legally within,
0: yeah, within Game of Life. Yeah, the it's f- it's like, and that's the w- gardener's thing, like,
2: right? So the which winner yeah, I have is just the rules. Yeah, I, I was going to say which, which
0: indicates that there's not actually two entities correct,
2: that there's only one. And so... hmm?
1: uh, I was just gonna um, say, I think one of the um, interesting parts about this is when uh, when I was reading it, the gardener comes off like a whiny child, you know, you teach a kid how to play a game, a card game, a board game, and they're upset that they're losing because they either don't know the rules or don't don't want to play by them
0: or they want to make just, up their own rules
1: yeah they want to make up their own rules and the gardener sounds like a child oh in this yes particular that's chapter
0: probably why i picked up on that because that totally mm-hmm. never ever happens like minion. Yeah, like minion does this all the time i don't want to play it this way i want to play it my way i'm like oh geez all right which which to be fair anyone with a like si- like Eight and below this is this tends to be kind of the thing like but his like and he he's gotten better with it but like especially when he was like four and five uh they were like just overt rules of no i win like it's like you know that whole thing it's the 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 focus of winning um oh see that's an interesting idea from black flag
2: that they were the same thing thing at this Mm -hmm. point yeah I can that see has, that. That has I can also absolutely dangerous conditions in my brain. Oh, yes.
0: That's interesting. I like that idea.
1: How far am I up, up am I going to have to scroll to find a, what Black Fag is talking about? The uh, very last one. It's at yeah, the bottom. bottom. He says that they're at one
2: point yeah. with the same thing. They are
0: or they at one point are
2: or or at one Which, point. I mean,
0: goes back to the idea that the gardener is a creative mind and the, the winner is the analytical mind. Like it's, you know, technically you have a left brain or left hemisphere, right hemisphere argument with the, the brain. Once
2: um, well, the idea of the rules being enforced. Once the rules mm-hmm. are set thing is, is that, the gardener, and if the gardener is, and the winnower are one being at this point, that the fact that the gardener basically hacked itself into breaking its own rules in some respect, making it to where it's going to have to balance it out somehow with the other half by creating other rules or creating other aspects that are going to balance it out. Mm-hmm. Cause it's cheating. It's cheating itself. Yep. And when you indulge in too much, something wrong happens oftentimes yep. and it
0: would to be fair it's also not the first time that something psychological could be brought into destiny. I mean geez, the whole thing with the uh, the three queens is a huge nod potentially to psycho psychoanalytical thought between the <clears throat> between the ego the id and the superego there's like pretty there's pretty close correlation between the three queens and the the three components within uh, early psychoanalytical models. But, do I talk about the first knife?
2: Mm hmm. Let's do it. I would, Nobleman, I would you love do that one. to do
1: this one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I looked up in shock. I said, what? What do you mean? A special new rule. Something to, the gardener threw up their hands in exasperation. I don't know. To reward those who make space for new complexity? A power that helps those who make strength? ...from heterodoxy and who steer the game away from gridlock. Something to ensure there's always someone building something new. It'll have to be separate from the rest of the rules, running in parallel. So it can't be compromised. And we will have to be very careful. So it doesn't disrupt the whole game. All you will do, I said, rising with rising panic, fury, is delay the dominant pattern... That will overrun the others. It is inevitable. One final shape. No, it'll be different. Something will be different. Everywhere you look, everything will be the same. Your new rule will only make great false cysts of horror. Full of things that should not exist. That cannot withstand existence. That will suffer and scream as their rich blisters fill. With effluent and rot around them. And when they pop, they will blight the whole garden. Whatever exists, because it must exist, and because it permits no other way of existence, has the absolute claim to existence. That is the one law. No, the gardener said, I am the growth and preservation of complexity. I will make myself into a law in the game. And thus the two became parts of the game. And the laws of the game became nomic and open to change by our influence, and I had only one purpose and one principle in the game, and I could do nothing but continue to enact that purpose, because it was all that I was, and ever would be. I looked at the gardener, I looked at my hands, I discovered the first knife.
2: I think this is the split. If Black Flag is right in chat, where they were at some point, or- are still currently two entities this is the split this is the this is the breaking off where one discovers that they they need to continue to be the windower it's not just rules anymore it's a physical manifestation of i have to go out there and enact it It, it's almost like an evolution
0: yes it also makes me again think of the sins of Tan just the Mm -hmm. the stone dagger from taken king says for you are not the first hero nor even oryx the first villain to meet upon this plane and yes also chat's talking about that 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 also as from a psychological component correlates with the idea of a psycho psychological break um If your very existence and very definition of what makes you you is threatened, that is where you get that is where you can have a splintering of uh, or creation of sub personalities or differential dissociative identity disorder and stuff like that.
2: Nobleman, you want to dive into this one a little bit deeper since it's almost your favorite card in my uh, my opinion, the way you've talked about it so far.
1: I love the, and you could probably hear it in my voice, but the rising tension, you know, the darkness is getting angrier and angry at everything the light is saying and the light's getting excited about everything it wants to do to mess with the game. And there's just that, the rising conflict that is so permeable throughout this chapter is just got me excited about it. And that climax of the knife I tell you when I was uh when I first read this chapter when it became available in game I was already ready for the next week like I want to know what's he about to do with this knife
2: <laughs> Okay P53 Thank you for making room in your life for another talking ball Let me ask you a question In the 3 billion base pairs of your root species genome There is a single gene that codes for a protein called p53. The name is a mistake. The protein weighs only as much as 47,000 protons, not 53,000. If you were a cell, you would think p53 was a mistake too. It has several coercive functions to delay the cell's growth, to sterilize the cell when it is old, and to force the cell into self-destruction if it becomes too independent. Would you tolerate a bomb in your body waiting to detonate if you deviate from the needs of society? However, without P53 as an enforcer, the body's utopian surplus of energy becomes a paradise for cancer. Cells cannot resist the temptation to steal from that surplus. Their genetic morality degrades as a tumor suppressor. Genes fail. The only way to stop them is by punishment you now confront the base problem of morality. It is the alignment of individual incentives with the global needs of the structure. Patterns will participate in a structure only if participation benefits their ability to go on existing. The more successful the structure grows, the more temptation occurs to cheat, and the greater the advantage the cheaters gain over their honest neighbors and the greater the ability they develop to capture the very laws that should prevent their selfishness. To prevent this, the structure must punish cheaters with a violence that grows in proportion to its own success. My question follows. Is P53 an agent of the darkness or the light?
1: All right. (laughs) (laughs) This one was a big one, um, for me, right after that first knife. Uh, going back to my idea that this whole lore book is an argument essay, it's building tension throughout the chapters, and then right after you hear about that knife, that hint of violence, the darkness stops itself here, and sort of preemptively explains its actions explains why its actions are so drastic in this circumstance. Um, it relates, once again, its um, metaphorical actions to a very human idea going to protons, at you know, very physical parts of our everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, structuring, once again, allows us to grasp why this whole book exists, what the darkness is trying to accomplish in its messages to you.
2: Well, I mean, it's just, it's planting the seeds of doubt in this card. Pure and simple. That is, it is forcing you to think about things that may not necessarily be something that's comfortable. And with that, I unleash the blue. Release the kraken. Mm. <laughs> I'm going back to the fact
0: that you can't put morality on that. Just yeah, that, just.
2: I realize that, but it is literally just a metaphor. No, I know it's a. Sh- I it's understand. A ter- that I'm sorry, you I have, caught myself. It's a terrible have metaphor. You issues with the metaphor, <laughs> and I realize the reasoning behind your. Um, anger about the metaphor, but it is a metaphor.
0: Well, and I guess my my, my I, I'm trying I'm trying to.
2: It's the situation that this card is setting up that the greater advantage the cheaters gain over the honest neighbors, and the greater the ability, it there's the morality of that, the fact that there must be a balance to propagate to continue in some way, shape, or form. Now, the. Overabundance of something, the idea of that there are way too many women and not enough men in a a society, the breeding will still continue. Mm -hmm. There probably, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's a movie that this literally happens in. It is the plot of the movie. It's like a 70s film.
0: Well, I mean, I guess to to kind of boil down my dislike of this is i can't help but see the slippery slope that this starts
2: oh absolutely but that's the point of it it's supposed to create one right
0: which is why it's very frustrating because this is i mean uh ah uh. sorry no 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 that's not at you that's that's my brain immediately jumping yeah. to the that's like i i immediately jump to see okay this argument here when you start saying that you're
2: I like this card for its function within the book. Right. Regardless of the self-contained unit of the card. And that's
0: and that's where I did, that's, where I'm, it's that's where I'm diverging is because the self-contained issue yeah. of this card is in my mind problematic because it it's not axiomatic as far as the My problem is, is that it's not, it's not self-sustainable within itself. And so then when you start using it to defend other aspects of the
2: book, I start finding holes in logic. But that's, but that's the point of the card. It's to create, it's a false logic. It's not a solid logical argument. And it's the creation of a slippery slope for which our guardians should start to slide down the path that the winnower is guiding us towards. That's fair. Oh, gosh. I don't know if we want to continue on this card or if we should just move forward.
1: <laughs> I think <laughs> in closing for this oh. card, I think as as much as you can say about morality, the big point that this card is, exists for in the context of it is to so discord, so doubt, um, mm-hmm. and to try to it's- convince you that it is as much... At the very least, as much in the right as it is in the wrong. It is trying to shove the choice onto you based on your own personal morality.
2: All right. T equals zero. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is to read, but I'm okay with reading this one. Go at it. Let's do it. T equals zero. We wrestled in the garden in the loam of possibility where nothing existed and everything might "'A shadowed agony among the flowers. "'We trampled the petals beneath our feet. "'We stomped the fruit to pulp, "'and we ground the seeds into dust. "'In the wet wet pop of grapes and the smear of berries, "'in the per- perturbation of the field that was the garden "'before the first tick of time and the first point of space "'were the detonations that made the universes.'" Each universe was pregnant with its own inflammatory volumes and braided with ever, with ever ramifying tamla- timelines, each volume cooling and separating into domains of pos- post-symmetric physics, all of which were incarnations of that great and all dictating bipartial law that states only exist lest you fail to exist. And we, s- and still We fought. We brought down the tree of silver wings and left the stump to smoke amid the meadows. We left prints of our splayed feet and our straining backs in the clay. Our trampling feet made waves in the garden, which were the fluctuations around which the infant universes coalesced their first structures. The dilation fields yawed beneath the existence. "'yawned beneath the existence. "'Symmetries snapped like glass, like creases, "'flaws in space-time collected filaments of dark matter "'that inhaled and kindled the first galaxies of suns. "'And still we grappled. "'Our rolling bodies pushed things out of the garden, "'worms and scurrying life from, from the fertile soil, "'wet things from the pools and the leaves. "'They came out into the madness of primordial space,' They thrashed and became large. And I won. I won. Because the gardener always stops to offer peace. And when they do, I always strike. But by then, it didn't matter. The game was over. The garden had given birth to creation. The rules were in place and there would, and there would never be a second chance. We played in the cosmos now. We played for everything. And the patterns in the flowers, terrified by our content's contention, were no longer the inevitable victors of a game whose rules had suddenly changed, and they passed into the newborn cosmos to escape us. This is a very interesting. I actually have more problems with this card than I do with P53, believe it or not. No comments. Awesome. Um I have more problems with the humanizing of the two characters mm. in this one than I do with anything that happens in P-53. It's just a very, very human, um oh, gosh, anthropomorphism yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. of the two forces or the entities themselves, if they are indeed entities. And it may just be using the language to... Give us something to grasp as far as understanding the nature of the quote unquote battling or the wrestling within the garden. The, it does sound very much so like the idea of the Big Bang, the right before it, the amount of tension there must have been within that moment before everything pushed out into the universe and the creation of the universes. I, the thing that I find interesting is that instead of a game of thought, this just basically is the laying of the flowers of the l- real game, the game of life. Thoughts? Mm,
1: I don't. I know. Um, I don't have blue any... in your uh, in your notes. Um, you had talked about the um, silver wings. And what those might represent <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when I in my so I wonder if you could just expand upon that. Uh, sure.
0: Let me go find where my notes were in the notes I've put that because I think I remember what you're talking about, but
1: because you you mentioned them in the context of the uh, subclass quests. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah 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 yeah.
0: Because uh, there's a there's a subclass quest where we actually go. Gosh, where did I put that? Um, uh, we go and we collect the, the, uh, like literal feathers. I am not being, I'm not able to find my own notes. That's really annoying. Um, but no, yeah, there's, there's the, so silver wings, there's a connection because back in vanilla D2, when we were first getting the, um, was it, no, was it D2 or was it forsaken? Gee, it was forsaken. was it forsaken when we were on the tangle chore yeah. in i o and we had to go run around and collect this the the feathers that every time you killed like a yellow bar um it like drops the feathers or anything like that but there were silver feathers and so that was like a weird like a weird connection that it was like I was like hang on silver wings silver feathers like that's an interesting thing um I'm really annoyed that I can't find my own notes so that's how frustrated I am right now
1: So, uh, Green, uh, while he's looking Mm -hmm. at that, I want to pick your brain on um, how the garden is kind of changing in this story, obviously, with the felling of the tree. And obviously there's a lot of people are drawing the parallels between this metaphorical garden and the black garden with that giant stump structure in the middle.
2: Right. So there's this is one of the things that really bugs me about this. If this is a uh, more of a temporal garden, the i the thought garden essentially all these different things that are being described here, the stomping of the fruit to pulp, the seeds into dust, the wet pop of grapes and the smear of berries. Um there's a gosh, it's just the idea with the tree of silver wings left to the left and left the stump to smoke amid the meadows. It's if that has any relation to the semi sort of trees we see on IO, whenever we're getting our last subclass or whatnot, or whenever we're doing the subclass missions, I find that to be, I don't know if it's symbolic It's something that really bugs me because if it isn't symbolic, that means there was more than the concept of the thought prior. Or if it is just a thought, what is it representing? Is it just literally representing just a tree or is it beyond that? Is it more than that? It's. I mean, this is leading up to the concept of what we'll see in the Cambrian Explosion, the idea of life springing forth, but this is the big bang. This is the creation of the building blocks. But in order to do that, it shows that there's a somewhat destruction of something prior. And with that, the destruction of something prior is the ideas of the garden, the berries, the tree, the all these different things. I don't know if I want to say that it's be- more than what it appears to be as far as the concepts i don't know if i can symmetry snapped like glass like creases flawed flaws in space-time collected filaments of dark matter that inhaled and kindled the first galaxies of suns it's as if one world's being turned into inside out and into another i don't know i can't i'm sorry i i wish i had a better answer i i don't even have an answer i have a struggle
1: well um One thing that um, I personally was um, theorizing on through this, and obviously, like, my theories are not in any way, like, a final idea on what this could actually be, but Mm -hmm. we know that before the Black Heart was destroyed, the Black Garden was not tethered to Mars, so could these um condensed parts of the garden in this book be um, could the condensed parts of the garden in the book um have become the actual physical black garden could this thought have become reality
2: or let's well, that's, that's the question of what is the black garden then is the black garden this look like the location of power, such as what this is kind of you could interpret it as or is it a location of an imitation of power of this is the black garden where the winnower and the gardener played or is it the Vex's imitation of the the flower game, which is actually more where I lean towards that it is an, an interpretation of the Vex. ...of this concept... ...not the actual... ...original location.
1: I agree with you... ...like, um... ...I definitely do see... ...that the Black Garden... ...could have been a Vex... ...Imitation... ...um, but, uh... ...somebody on Discord... ...I think it might have been Ghost... ...um, a while back when this card released... ...um, had talked about... ...how the Vex found the Garden... Like it had mm-hmm. already been there. And I don't know if anybody in chat knows that card could link it. But, um...
2: I I I remember reading the card of that. But if I remember correctly, that was written from not the Vexus perspective. But wasn't that from the Hive perspective? I'm trying to remember if that's from Books of Sorrow or not. Or if that was from the books with Aldrin. Blue, do you have any idea?
0: I don't remember the yeah. <clears throat> I don't remember that one. I know that like Ikora has a card where in that like comments about how the Vex found it, but it's from Ikora's perspective. Like, and mm-hmm. so like all the stuff that I that I can think of immediately off the top of my head uh, is from someone else's perspective saying, "Well, when they found it, that and it's like, well, yeah." like i don't I don't know if we to be fair also I don't know if we have anything from the vex perspective to be really honest,
2: yeah, there's no i there's really no personality within the vex besides Korea that we've ever seen,
0: yeah, and then possibly the new like some of the minds like atheon has uh, mm-hmm. arguably. Like, I'm not going to hang my hat too much on that, but, like, there seems to be some independent personality there. Uh, The Martyr Mind, I think, is the one that gets introduced with Saint-14. Kind of seems to have a bit of a a different subset. Um, Coria does... I thought there was one more that I'm trying to... Oh, Undying. But even Undying kind of is, like, just the component. Like, it wasn't really... Like that's the thing with the Vex, is, Like, there's not really the Vex are are basically mini colonies already within them because of the Radioloria. So it's like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say that there's a Vex that we would identify as an individual that is an actual individual because they're not technically they're they're components of like a hive structure and it's not hive like it's like it's right. like a. I, I love how I have to keep coming back to Halo. It's like the hunters from Halo. They're L- Lugako uh, mm-hmm. worms. They're they're colonies that operate in unison to create a massive character or a massive creature. But the the Lugoko or the Lugoko worms, like there's not a the the colony has an individual sense, but they're like there's not like a Oh, that's Bob the Hunter. Like it's, you know, it's it's not that. It's a group.
2: It's a group, group, it's right,
0: a group yeah. mind. And that's kind of that's kind of how I take the uh, the Vex, is that they're like sub colonies within the overarching, and then you have the whole Living Metal component too, which is where you get like the idea of them being in a a network mind also. So it's like it's it's even more kind of diluted. Um. But yeah, Coria, and the only reason I would argue Coria has some individuality was because she was half taken, or it was half taken.
2: Yeah. Do you think, well, that's a whole other debate I do not want to get into. Um. Uh,
0: the silver wings, because I'm an idiot, and I just forgot that I put it as a comment, not an actual part in the, I'm just, I, yeah. Uh, so the interesting connection was the collection of silver feathers uh, that we were tasked with during regaining of our subclass on IO. And the process was revolved around ridding silver trees of the taken blights that kept them from blooming. So as we would remove the taken blights, that would allow the trees to bloom, which was the uh, the connection that I was making there. I think that's the one you were talking about, Noble.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's right. And I think that's a interesting inversion upon the roles that the flower game sets out or... You know, we are winnowing the darkness, in well, a sense. Well, and
0: actually, I think, if anything, it's an indication that we are not following the rules. Because if the winnower is preventing a flower from blooming, and we smack the... Like, you know, you smack the back of the hand, and it's like, no! Let it bloom. That breaks the game. Because the winower is supposed to make the, the flowers not bloom. And so, if we are...
2: No... It's not that he doesn't make the flowers bloom. He just enforces no, he that the flowers. not to. Right. He, but he, yeah, he basically puts them back right. to sleep. But that's what I'm saying is so in, if there's not the, one or, in the yeah.
0: quest to get our subclasses back, we are, we are killing those blights. And once you kill the blights, the flowers bloom or the trees, the, the trees flowers bloom. bloom. So we are yeah. actively going and finding flowers, a air quotes, they flowers that have been winnowed and allowing them to bloom and so we're like we it's a new component because the gardener has never been able to say, No, winnower, I don't want that one to not bloom, I want it to bloom. They've only the only time that the mm-hmm. gardener's been able to do anything is when it plants seeds. Once its seeds are planted, then that's it. That's when the game begins and you know, that's the winner the winner gets the air air quotes again, the next move. And then that's the final move. Like, the gardener doesn't get a chance to come back and touch plants that have already been planted.
2: Right. But the award only gets to affect the ones that follow the rules. It's not necessarily well, he gets to pick who he's doing that. Now, that's uh, in the, the flower game. I don't think he gets to pick. Yeah, it's he's following he said- the rules according to the flower game. It's not until later that, that he, he, starts, he like, creates it. He creates his own role as well. Uh, the Gardener creates his own role. The Winterward joins the Gardener within the normal realm with that.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to remember if that was... Yeah, I'm trying to remember whether or not that was in... um. Yeah, no, I can't remember. but, they but anyways, had to follow but their that's, roles.
2: That's why the Gardener always lost the flower right, game. Right, yep
0: yeah. and it, But again, it's like... Is it really losing? Like, I mean, that's that's the whole question, too. But uh, Black Flag is also, right. yeah, it's paracausality. It's because we're, we're sidestepping mm-hmm. the, the process of the game rules.
2: Which is the Gardener cheating. Pretty much,
0: yeah. It's chaos. Chaos versus order. Mm-hmm. Oh, We should lose yes.
2: Cambrian yes. Explosion. We still have th- four more cards, oh, guys.
0: Man. You want me to read this one? <clears throat> yep. So this is the Cambrian Explosion. Beings who deserve no thought. Those who peddle the tired gotcha that all life ha- hastens entropy. They are fatuous little nihilists who pretend to prefer no existence to a flawed one. They bore me. Those who seek to delay the challenge that all things desire and existence must overcome. Those who describe false moral equivalents. Now, I could not possibly communicate with you unless I could emulate your mind. And with that mind, I acquire the moralities that govern you. By your laws, I and all my followers are evil. Evil. Since that first molecule coiled in the primordial sea, not one earthborn thing has known a monster like me. But did you know that I created you? Your mind and your body and every thought you've ever had, your senses, your consciousness, I made you. Not the gardener, but I. Did I reach out and place my special mark upon you? No. Nothing so crude. In the beginning, your world was a garden, too. The whole floor of the world sea was a mat of bacteria, and the very first animals, adorable blobs of ooze, grazed upon that mat in endless idyll. They had no concept of the existence of other beings. Why would they? Their most complex function was a kind of gentle spasm to scoot forward while they grazed. And if they bumped into each other on that warm seabed, all they did was ooze onward, untroubled. There was nothing to their life except the uptake of carbon compounds from the bacterial bed then one day the fall occurred so much earlier and so much more necessary than your myths remember some poor mutant discovered that it could collect carbon compounds much faster if it stopped grazing on the bacterial mat and started dissecting and eating the lumps of predigested carbon all around it its neighbor oozeballs. it couldn't help but do it it couldn't help but thrive we don't get a choice about the rules we just play the game it was the first defector the first predator it changed everything. Now the oozeballs needed sensors to watch for danger, and brains to integrate those senses and generate plans of survival, and swift neurons and muscles to enact that plan. This was the Cambrian explosion, a great birth of complex life on your world. I caused it. I, the defector, the destroyer, the one who takes.
2: Dirt Uh huh. <laughs> Wicket's being goofy in chat. Um,
1: <laughs> <sighs>
2: all right, the Destroyer.
0: I like. It. I mean, like it's it's the, again. It's it reminds me of Ghost it's, Fragment, it's, Darkness Three.
2: Right. It's the forced evolution. I mean, it's not and even. It's, not if even it's not a forced, forced evolution. It's just. It's just, it's just yeah. the. Ev- it's just now the ev- though
0: right. it does say. Well, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I, 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 was, I, I was like, it so, does say so much earlier, but no, it's not force. It's just he's just making a note that it's not right. what your myths are saying.
2: Right. So the idea of this that the winnower, winnower, isn't necessarily is it's making another co- um, comparison to the idea that the winnower is a part of natural order, not necessarily an aggressor, but part of the natural evolution of things the the quote unquote mutant
0: yeah mm yeah well i mean mm. i guess the question there is like and, and this is where like my brain immediately goes to next is okay so there's a mutant that discovered it could collect carbon what mutated it was it just a natural mutation or did the wind like bump it you know
2: there would there would have to be some sort of um like a not necessarily a P fifty three, but some sort of glitch in the system, some something that pushes it. I guess if right. you're but, I mean, if you do want to go but that route again,
0: was that an orchestrated glitch or was that just a a natural? Like there's there's a difference between mutations that happen naturally and then genetically, you know, like genetic drift and stuff like that, or if it's like a a pre or pre ordained crossbreeding that allowed for the to like you know like was that's where i guess my brain right. is
2: right i th- i think it's more it's a of random mutation, the idea that it's well that's the ca- comparison to the natural force of things he is the natural in some ways even though he is order he's also a bit of chaos in that he that this pushed it into a totally different Now, granted, this is also an imperfect metaphor. Yeah,
0: but I mean, if you back, and this is where like the scope of the picture also matters, because if you back far enough away, even those things are the end is inevitable. Like the thing is, is like that's the thing is entropy for our existence, for mortal existence, entropy is an inevitable component that is always going to be there. So, Mm -hmm. like if you take a big enough step, but is the idea
2: right? But is Is the winnower entropy? That's the question. Is the winnower the the one that pushes you off to the other side? So that's, it's the natural force of Mm. it again. And the problem is, is that basically the writer is having to again and again and again try to explain these concepts of this is a force that pushed you just slightly there was not necessarily a malevolence behind it because there wasn't the, you can't necessarily assign that to it. It was pushing because that is what it does. It's not evil. It is.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, that's yeah. Well, I mean, kind of to segue into the next one too, real quick also is, you know, mm-hmm. talking about patterns, right? You know, if you step back far enough, you get a pattern. Um, do you guys want to read Patternfall, or you? Do you, did you have anything else about the Cambrian explosion? I guess before.
1: Noble, um, yeah. Um, I think one of the interesting um, parts of this is how he seems to be taking something from you with this lore tab. He's um, trying to, you know, claim you in this. You know, but did you know I created you? your mind and your body and everything, every thought you've ever had, your senses, your consciousness. I made you not the gardener, but I, that's just, again, part of his argument, Um, and the whole book that he's trying to pull you to him. I think that was my big takeaway from that.
0: Um, real quick. Also, the Cambrian explosion, just historically, uh, was the uh event that approximately about 540 545 million years ago uh was when most of the most of the fossils the major animal fossils kind of appeared in the fossil records um and it's also where like i think they said that that's where it's the result in the divergence of most modern i think it's metazoan phyla uh so it's it's a. Uh, It's a rather important little thing that happened um, because it's basically when first major groups of animals first appeared. So and it was also in Mm -hmm. in the scope of life on Earth. It actually happened in a relatively short time, which is why it's called the Cambrian Explosion, even though it lasted 13 to 25 million years. So, you know, but. Uh, Patternfall, real quick, uh, so we're talking about the, the difference between the winnower and the gardener, uh, and the question about the hive. Uh, Patternfall actually kind of nods to this.
2: Noble, do you want to read this one?
1: Sure. The patterns that escaped the garden landed in the water. Of course, there was no water at first. The patterns were abstract waves tumbling through the fire of the early universe. Trapped in chaos, cycling through the desperate, self-preservation, tautologies, while vast beings from beyond the narrow dominion of cause and effect thrashed and battled around them. For an eon, they were nothing but screaming equation vermin, scurrying through the quantum foam, fleeing ultimate erasure. But they were tenacious. They propagated in the saline meltwater of comets orbiting the first stars. That broth of chemicals became their substrate, and they learned to catalyze impossible chemistry with quantum tricks. Then they rained from the sky into the steaming seas of fallow worlds, and there they built their first housings from geometry and silica. In all their transformations, they retained that kernel of ultimate self-sufficiency that had made them victors in the flower game but they are not incontrovertibly destined to rule this cosmos. They were made before the light and the darkness, but the rules are different now, and even this pattern must adapt. They are not all mine, not in the way that admirers such as my man Oryx are mine, utterly devoted to the practice of my principle, but some of them have, nonetheless, found their way home.
2: This card bothers me for just that last <laughs> line there it explains why oh my they have gosh, problems like,
0: with understanding the geometry of the spaces
2: are you with I, I mean no, no no like are you saying that as like a legit argument on this one because literally the only thing that bothers me is the voice of my man orcs it just i cannot read that without saying they're not all mine not in the way that admirers such as my man orcs are mine I have a hard time not reading it any other way.
1: I I totally agree with you. That is so drifter-esque in the way it's written. It's
2: just a different forcing than what we've gotten used to. But, Blue, you have a more serious thing than we did on that one. What was going Uh,
0: on? So the Vex, this explains why the Vex have issues with the geometry of spaces uh, within the uh, Books of Sorrow... Uh, because it says they are not incontratively desi- destined to rule the cosmos they were made before light and darkness but the rules are different so their pattern must adapt As them when they had to when they were brought forth and they didn't understand the geometry of the the throne world they're having to learn the geometry of each space now afterwards and so that's where you kind of get the thing um this also gives a nod to what we talked about a little bit with Aspect uh, with the discomfort that the Vex have with the um, I can't remember which one it is, but the, the Black Garden Vex, because I'm assuming those are the mm-hmm. ones that are have have soul have, progeny, quote, found their way home.
2: Huh?
0: Was it soul, soul device divisive? I think. I don't know.
2: Soul progeny. Smooth. Soul it's progeny. The, one with
0: the plants on it.
1: Excuse me.
2: Yep, <laughs> the progeny,
1: the ones that we just spent three months killing. Mm-hmm.
2: The one that Undying Mine is technically part of, too. Yes. By the way.
0: Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, no. That's that's what I Let took away see. from there. I was like, oh, this explains why the Vex had problems with like understanding stuff.
1: Okay,
2: I don't. I don't know if I want to go and. I don't think I have anything else for that card. Nobleman?
1: Um, one thing that bugged me about this, and maybe y'all can help me process a thought on it, is they were made before the light and darkness. Um, that... These physical creatures existing outside of the timeline, being there before the light and the darkness whose conflict supposedly created them. Very... That inconsistency really bothers well, me. Well, I don't think it's at
0: no standpoint that... I don't that, think that's an inconsistent... Yeah, it was at, it's at right. no point stated that they were physical before. It says the patterns that escaped mm-hmm. the gardens landed in the water. So, again, we go back to the concept of, is the light and darkness the unmoved mover? Because the rules of the flower garden were around before they were, and the patterns are the rules. And so you kind of have like this weird co- coalescence of Again, three way war between light, darkness, and the other. And so this is kind of almost pointing to the fact that the Vex might be the other two. Like you know, there's a there's a component that could be that way as well. Um, but then the ending actually causes a little bit of confusion because then he cl- it claims the winner claims ownership of them. So like. I I always took it as the Vex were the patterns that enacted the rules of the the flower garden or the flower game. They weren't necessarily sentient, but then when they got released, they escaped, however they did. They gained the degree of sentience and developed into the Vex. But originally they were like agents of the winnower within the game that was the flower game. It would be like if in the game of life, the the logarithm that says you know these rules must be followed somehow made the leap into our reality.
2: Hmm.
0: If that if that makes Sorry, sense, Sorry, I'm
2: trying to process. It does. I'm trying to process a part of what you said. Of you mentioned that the Vex are if they're enacting the Winnowers aspect, but I almost there's part of the Vex that. Do that, yes, but there's also part of the vex that enacts right. the gardener's aspect right. but too. But if you're
0: seeing them as the logarithm of the game, that would make sense because mm-hmm. the gardener inputs his com- or if- their command, and then the winner.
2: It's just right. a computer. Right. Yeah, it's a computer following the mind. rules. It's deep mind, and that's from Hitchhiker's. Right. Game. Oh God, <laughs> Deep Mind, deep mind but, but way, way scarier. <laughs> um, the
0: answer is forty-two.
2: Oh, God. Okay. Jeez. I'm... Okay, skipping ahead. We're going to go to the wager because we are on a real tear on this one. So, the wager. Your shoemaker philosopher was right, and it matters more than anything. Sorrow cannot survive death, and it cannot precede birth. Those who exist have moral worth, and those who do not have none think about it. Do you mourn the uncreated? Do you grieve for those who were never born in a nation that never developed around an ideology no one ever imagined on a continent that never formed? No. And from that self-evident truth, you must raise your eyes to the ultimate revelation. Those who cannot sustain their own claim to existence belong to the same moral category as those who have never existed at all. Existence is the first and truest proof of the right to exist. Those who cannot claim and hold existence do not deserve it. This is the true and only divination, a game whose losers are not just forgotten, but are never born at all. That which cannot claim and hold existence is not real. You do not mourn the unreal. Why should you care for it, tend it, guard it? It was the gardener that chose you from the dead. I wouldn't have done that. It's not, it's just not in me. But now that they have invested themselves in you, you are incredibly, uniquely special. That wandering refugee chose to make a stand, spend their power to say, Here I prove myself right. Here I wager that given power over physics and the trust of absolute freedom, people will choose to build and protect a gentle kingdom ringed in spheres and not to fall to temptation and not to surrender to division and never yield to the cynicism that says everyone else is so good that I can afford to be a little evil. The gardener is in awe is all in. They are playing for keeps, and they are wrong, or so I argue, for after all, the universe is undecidable. There is no destiny. We're all making this up as we go along. Neither the gardener nor I know for certain that we we're internally universally right, but we can be nothing except what we are. You have a choice. You are the gardener's final argument. It would mean everything if I could convince you that I am the right and only way. I truly value you. To the gardener, you are a means to an end. To me, you are majestic. Majestic. You are full of the only thing worth anything at all. I am, by the only standard that matters or will ever matter, the winning team. Existence is a test that most will fail, Would you not count yourself among the victorious few? Don't hurry to to deliver your answer. I'll come over and hear it myself. Dun dun dun. (sighs) I mean, this is the wager. The yeah, like that. It's pretty. It's a pretty straightforward card as to what the winner is doing. And
0: like, so my my problem with this card is actually from like the structure of it not actually what's well there's a couple of questions i have about the the content but it's interesting to me because here the when he when it mentions the gardener that is talking about the traveler however it is not the gardener it's not capitalized and i'm like and that's where my brain starts being like okay i'm trying really hard not to overthink that everything in these and the text within destiny there's like there's really weird things about if it's capitalized it's one thing if it's not capitalized it's another and so that's where my Mm -hmm. brain immediately is like okay but the avatar of the gardener picked you or you know like what what is going on there um but then later in the thing it's the gardener again and the gardener again is not capitalized so I'm like I am just I go back and forth on this is why I'm still not decided on whether or not the traveler and the triangle ships are actually the gardener and the winnower or if they're just the physical manifestations of them and there's actually separation between the two
2: as far as like the uh, I I don't know if you would actually call it syntax or whatnot for this but with the gardener being not capitalized. I think it's referring to the traveler because it's not the force; it's the think, avatar. Okay, yeah, that's kind of kinda what I was.
0: That's how I read it. But I, I'm like, but right. here, I mean, I will, I will, a hundred percent say I am. Well, I would like ninety nine percent. I'm very convinced that when it says the gardener chose you from the dead, it is talking about the traveler choosing, or right. well, the ghost and the traveler.
2: No. Here's a fun little thought game to play. If the gardener lowercase is the traveler and the winnower is talking to us, but it's not the winnower prime Mm -hmm. or not the force of the winnower. It's the avatar Mm -hmm. of the winnower. Is there a possibility of either because they are part of the fallible Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm. of either of them being corrupted? Mm -hmm. We saw that with the Traveler in the EDZ with the Corrupted yeah. Shard. And,
0: and there's also, like, the other thing to keep in mind is that back in the back corners of Destiny lore, we have the deep, we have the sky, and there is actually another thing that's called the Formless One. And so, like, there's a couple potential, sorry, there's a p- couple potential, like, steps in a hierarchy that could could be still reiterated there. Um the other thing that I have a problem with is like this this char- character that's writing this is all about like oh well it's inevitable blah 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 and then you get to this thing it's like oh well there is no destiny we're making it up as we go along I'm like okay make up your make up your mind like is it is it we're playing is this based on the flower game and you know we're cheating the rules or is this is this free will and like. From a debate standpoint, that's very frustrating to me.
2: Well, the, the I think there's the aspect of free will because we are able to cheat and exit the game because of the right. paracausality of it.
0: And and I agree. I do agree that the guard the guardians or the risen present a a sidestepping of the rules. I get that. But what the winnower here says is that for after all, the universe is undecidable. There is no destiny. We're we're all making this up as we go along.
2: Right. And that's the – I think that's the truth of the matter because of exactly what the gardener and the winnower represent. The fact that there is a given pool and chance – and everything, and the fact that there was the quote unquote winnower's chance oh, so okay. of changing the ooze, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. the ooze monster or the, the slug, dirt, essentially dirt. at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. So the yeah. Dirt, dirt. So you're thinking so, like
0: the the wrestling in the garden basically was the fall of the winnower in the garden, or
2: mm-hmm. I gotcha.
0: I'm following with that. Okay, I can see that. <clears throat> and then he's, he's going to come and visit us.
2: What do you? Th- yeah, Nobleman, do you have any more thoughts on the the wager?
1: Um, I think well, I th- there's obviously a certain amount of meta commentary about the there is no destiny. We're making this up as we go along. And I think mm-hmm. that is very interesting when taken outside of the game is that destiny is going to evolve with the players and you know, they're could be a completely different ending down the road than what is currently being envisioned. There really is no telling what's going to happen. Um, right.
2: That's, I mean, as far as like stepping outside of the story of the game, that is the beauty of how this game has evolved. I was actually talking about this with one of my friends of how the story of Destiny was never predetermined necessarily to the exact ending that we're going to get to. There was an idea there, obviously, but how we get there and how the stories have evolved, how the details have evolved, have changed depending on A, who's writing and what the community is interested in, all that has affected it because it is in itself a living universe because we are, this is going to be a weird, weird metaphor for me, but the player base is the winnower in the aspect of the creation of destiny. We're the ones helping drive where it goes. Now, ultimately, it's the devs that are going to decide where it ends up, but we help shape it. I think that is the most poetic thing I've ever compared Destiny to. And I am quite proud of it. Blue?
0: Yeah, I'm getting so tired. Let's do trust and hope.
2: Okay. I call Nodded on reading it. I
0: can read it. I like this one. Okay. <clears throat> it says Friend, over the past five years, we, light bearers, you, light bearers, have grown strong. Each victory opens more territory for searching ghosts and more guardians rise. None of these newborn contenders are mighty without equal, but you have been at the forefront again and again. To see you fall would be disastrous, and there are so many ways to fall. It has become become fashionable, lately, to analyze light and darkness as if they were political opponents, each with something to offer us. Some guardians even take secret names to mark their transgressions. I despise this flirtation, but I cannot speak against it. After all, I have had to find my own pathways to power. Thus, I asked my queen, who has preached a doctrine of balance, if she truly believed in the equal worth of light and dark. The Awoken were made in conflict, she reminded me. All her people volunteered to return from heaven to fight and die in the cosmic war. They are by nature and by doom drawn to that edge, that place of tension, and she has her own prejudices. She has made terrible, ruthless choices in the name of salvation from darkness, so she cannot dismiss its power without, in a way, dismissing herself. All that, she, all that said, she told me, I believe in balance, but to seek balance is to not seek equity. A sea half of water and half of poison is not in balance. A body half alive and half dead is not in balance. Given the choice to live in any world, any world at all, we would need a little darkness in it, I think, to keep the balance true. But not so much as we would need the light. What do you think, Erismorn? When you went into that pit, your light against when you went into that pit, your light against the clawing darkness, did you feel balance? No, I did not. I felt overwhelming, all consuming evil. I think a world of balance would fight the darkness because darkness unchecked is darkness thriving. I think that a world of balance would never mistake the excitement of transgression or the grim necessity of trespass for a genuinely righteous act. We must remember the value value of unshakable, irrational hope. The choice to act as if we lived in a better world can create a place for that better world to exist. I do not think that a good guardian can even, for a moment, entertain the darkness. This is a power that has devoured worlds beyond knowing a power that has practiced its appeals against entire Zeta lives. There is no defense against it except to avoid the battle entirely. It is a sign of self-respect, Ariana always said, to fearlessly question our deepest beliefs. But it will always be rank foolishness to leap into a vat of plutonium salt and call it self-exploration. And to tempt your friends into that vat with you? That is evil. Thank you for being so worthy of trust. Thank you for carrying my hope. Eris.
2: Confirmation that Toland is evil. Thank you very much. (laughs) Have a good night. We will catch you next week. And by the way, Marisov is actually quite wise. So thank you very much. I am an awoken hunter, and I will catch you next week. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, I do like this card because it does show um, a little bit more to Mara's thinking as far as Mara talking with Eris about this and Mara's thinking about the idea of balance and her own thoughts on it and I find it very refreshing to have that perspective from her given that Eris with how dark her character has gotten and the all-consuming dread that she feels with a lot of the different things that have been going on in not only her life but just in relation to the hive and everything, it's, it's nice to see that somebody has comforted mm-hmm. her and at least their own truth. I just love in what I they believe
0: the depth that this brings to Eris, Like the entire, the entire shadow keep mm-hmm. like age of the undying or season of the undying has has really brought Eris, um out. And like, she, she's gotten a lot more depth as far as like how she's dealt with the trauma. And I really like how they've done that. But this card right here I really, really do like from her. Like I, I think this is a culmination of the healing that Eris has gone through um and her own interpretation of what that is and like what it should be. And this is coming from a coming from now, someone who has experienced that that darkness.
2: Yeah. So here's something I want to bring to your attention. As a pure metagamer, this card comes out after the cutscene where Eris approaches the statue. Hmm.
1: What are your thoughts on that cutscene? I mean, there, there are so many ways to interpret that,
2: right? And that's the problem: we have no context. We don't know what Eris gleaned from that experience, right?
0: And I think. Hmm, hmm. I find it interesting, though, that this, if this comes out after that cutscene.
2: Oh, it absolutely does. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm I'm sorry,
0: that came out. I meant because it comes out. Sorry, that was me poorly wording something. Mm -hmm. The implications. Um, With it coming out after the cutscene and this being so strongly worded against being tempted by the darkness. And then this is included in the ending of the unveiling book. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, I wouldn't say mixed messages really because it, it's not it's not quite that it's it's uh, it paints in a couple of different ways what is trying to be said here um, mm-hmm. because see like I I appreciate what Eris is saying here on the surface because this is kind of along the lines of what I would assume to be my, my personal approach to things. Like I, I, I like, I like what's being said here. Cause this speaks to actually me personally. Um, right. And,
2: but here's, here's something I want everybody to remember. We don't know what happened to Eris at the statue. Right. What, what it looks like is one thing, but the thing that actually happened, we still do not know. Correct Now, was Eris actually quote unquote tempted by the dark or consumed by something from the dark or had communed with the dark that paints like blue was saying this card in a very different light. Maybe there's something else that happened. I don't think we can assign that, one way. or The yeah, other that being
0: said though, we do have the letter that she wrote to Mara after and mm-hmm. she,
2: Where she doesn't actually send she it. She doesn't
0: actually send it, but it is kind of a, um, um, reconciliation like it's kind of a confession of like like a, i'm thinking like a christian concept of confession like it's like her kind of bearing mm-hmm. her bearing her sins basically and saying look I, I i tripped i stumbled and and that's really what it right. is is the reconciliation kind of concept um so like that being that being now I'm, I'm curious when in the time frame of eris's you know writing stuff where that would fall because we know that both of those happened mm-hmm. after the, the pyramid event. Um, and mm-hmm. so, because to me, when I read the letter that she didn't send to Mara, which I mean, the the sending or not sending, I don't I don't put a lot of weight on that because I can yeah whatever. But the content that's in it was was very to me, it was very look, like she's acknowledging she made a mistake and that that to me would if if she had written that before she wrote this letter then that puts a different flavor on this lever, letter now absolutely now, i'm not 100% sure if i would say i again you're right we don't know her inner workings and her like what she experienced so i don't know that if she wrote this letter before she wrote the the reconciliation letter i don't know if that actually changes the flavor in my mind really But the fact that both of those exist means that I kind of take this to be more accurate to the surface of what is being said than a uh, type of reverse psychology or, you know, because I could see someone putting an argument out that it's Eris trying to trick us into letting her get all the power and then, you know, to basically don't. No, no, don't pursue that. That's a very dangerous thing. And then she takes it and runs I can see, I've seen that trope in mm-hmm. a lot of things. I don't, I don't get the mm-hmm. feeling that that's what's happening here. I get the feeling that Eris is like, look, I made the mistake of going and taking that step. And, you know, what does she say? She, she says, like, um, where was it? Uh, yeah, to, it would always be rank foolishness to leap into a vat of plutonium salt. But And then she goes further mm-hmm. and she says, and to tempt your friends into that vat with you, that is evil. And then she says, you know, thank you for your trust. And so to me, to, just to me, the way I read that is like, she's like, I was the fool, but I am not. I, I, she's trying her best to not be evil. And so she is trying to warn us against that temptation.
1: Right. That's, that's
0: how I've kind of read this. And that's why I kind of like it. Now, whether or not that's what's intended, you know, that's, that's up to interpretation
2: i mean she admits right here she has had to find her own pathways Mm -hmm. to power she
0: has i mean she doesn't she's here she also acknowledges that she's no longer she no longer considers herself a light bearer right which still bugs me but whatever
2: i mean she's not wielded the light she's wielded that we know of
0: i guess that that also begs that's a bigger question that's a bigger topic too because that depends on your definition of what the light is Just does the light only come from the traveler or does it come from just existence? Like,
2: right. But what do the hive spells incorporate? Is it, I mean, that's where you're going to have that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's no, 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 no. right. Lots of debate. That's that's an entirely different two hour podcast.
2: Yep. Should we do final thoughts on it? Yes. Noble man, you have the stage. Good sir.
1: All right. Um, this whole book is, um, just, it, it calls everything into question morality and P53 in particular. Um, and it gets you to really think about how much can you trust what is being told to you? Can you really side with the light or the darkness? I think the, the full philosophical point of views or point of view in this book is very interesting going forward, um and um that it ends on this semi hopeful note that um that you've still got friends and light there to back you up is a very powerful point. Mm-hmm.
2: It is I think that this book is very much so propaganda, hoping to convince, convince others to question. And I think that is a good thing. I do think that diving into the questions more and debating it more is important for our, for us as guardians and for just the whole concept of We've toyed with the idea of playing with the dark with Drifter's Game. We've toyed with the idea of it with Shin slash um, Veil within the shadows. And so this is taking another step into our own examination of it. Now, whether or not guardians do examine it and kind of go into a philosoph- philosophical debate of what is going on, That's neither here nor there. That's up to each person individually. But the cards that we have that are supposedly the voice of the winner were speaking to us. And then the addition of Eris at the end, bringing up the concept of hope and how important it is to foster the idea of hope within a society so that that idea can come to light. The, it's, it's just another part of destiny kind of hitting on that overtone, I guess, rather. That music of the sphere, if we're going to go right back around and go back to the beginning of the introduction Mm -hmm. episode, Blue? No, I think, I mean, I think that's,
0: yeah. I I think that this is... uh, It's a a glimpse into the frustrations of biased presentations. Um, I Mm -hmm. think that... You know, as you probably can tell, we have differing opinions, and I think that's the point, is that everyone's going to read this in a different light, um, and I think that's the point. I, I really do. I think that's that's the, the highlighting factor that's being here, and you know... The lore writers on Bungie seem have have long been very big proponents on the concept of the power of bias and the, the the illusion of having the full picture when you really only have a fragment of it is something that they are very very talented at using, um, and I think that this is for those of us who have been doing this since the you know pretty much inception of destiny or or just been doing this for a long time very like very steeped in it this is in a way i don't mean this negatively this is the the same uh same concept that we've always been dealing with um the nice thing about this particular book is that it it presents us a new perspective not that that perspective is Mm -hmm. less biased than the other perspectives but it gives us a better um, picture of what's actually going on, uh, which is something to keep in keep in mind. You know, we're we're just we're going to be seeing, I think, more of this uh, with especially with the doubling down of like putting stories inside gameplay instead of inside text. Um, I think that's going to be very prevalent, too. So it's it just to me, as frustrating as it is to read some of these entries, I um, I think that ultimately it gives us a new perspective that gives us a clear picture of what is actually going on. And I appreciate that.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Do we want to do shout outs again? Kind of yeah, thing or like
0: let's do if you are still l- listening. Thing? Let's do some shout outs real quick. Noble, what do you got for us?
1: Um, I want shout out to my, uh, fire team. Um, and, you guys, and like all the like the lore community that's really brought me into wanting to dive into discussions like this. So the wonderful writers at Bungie, and my teachers um, in college who've helped me to relate what I'm reading in the game to real things in the world to ga- gain that deeper dive as well. Nice.
2: Absolutely. Greenwood about you? I like challenging books like this. So it, I'm going to kind of second his his statement on that and just be a big thank you and shout out to pushing ideas, the pushing the boundaries of what is acceptable and easy reading and causing debates like this and actually getting Blue and mm-hmm. I to argue. We don't do that terribly no, I mean, often anymore, it seems. I think but that
0: you're right on – Right on the thing is like, I mean, without, without having difficult conversations, we don't grow. Um,
2: Absolutely.
0: So, you know, I, as much as it frustrates or as, you know, whatever, ultimately it gets, there's nothing, truth is discovered by the arguments of friends or between the arguments between friends is one of the quotes that I really like I think it was David Hume. And I think that this mm-hmm. podcast has always been that source of that argument between friends. Um, so I, I, giving us fuel for those arguments, I think is never going to not be appreciated. And, and just in my opinion, but sorry, Green, I didn't mean to jump in there.
2: No, you're good. I I'm okay with that. Um, as far as housekeeping shout out type things. Remember that on January 3rd, we're going to have man at arms with us and doing a, basically a let's party kind of, discussion aka we're letting man at arms Mm. on the show so it's gonna be a party um but beyond that happy new year to you guys when you get there i hope your holidays have been great and we will see you in 2020
0: and as always goodbye Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.